0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our August 6th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And you know what that means? means we are 90 days out from the election. And obviously, we're getting ebbs and flows in COVID news. Uh, Certainly, there's the risk of a fall resurgence. Although we kind of had a mini one, that's kind of, you know, not really accelerating, thankfully. But what's most important and becoming top of mind for the markets investors, and just the country as a whole, is that election. Now, on Tuesday night, there was uh, a a documentary that came on HBO that I think is is really great. Uh, It's called The Swamp, and it's very bipartisan. It's not partisan one way or the other. other. Uh, It follows two Republican congressmen, one Democrat congressman, And basically, it exposes the system and how the system works and how you basically pay to play. To get a a committee assignment, you have to donate to the party. In order to donate to the party, you need to raise money. And how do you raise money? Well, you go and grovel to lobbyists, typically. And that's how you donate to the party. And the more prestigious, shall we say, the committee assignment, there's A, B, and C, the more you have to give back to the party. So if you're on the energy committee or the ways and means committee, which deals with taxes, well, you're going to get the most donations. Why? Because there's a lot of lobbyists, a lot of companies that have a stake in what you're doing. And that's pretty much how it works to me it's institutionalized corruption but and it's bipartisan so if you wonder why the system is broken why nothing gets done and why money is just spent constantly I urge you to go watch that <laughs> because it lays it out simply perfectly and a very bipartisan way And I think the best quote from it that I got was, the politics of hate are the biggest fundraising tool. If you wonder why we're in, we have a divisive country, we have divisive politics, is because politicians are incentivized to to spread hate, to spread divisiveness, because... Those are what brings in campaign dollars from the party and support from the party. If you don't toe the line of the party, well, you don't get put on certain committees. You know, the A and B committees. Maybe you'll put on a C committee. Like, for example, they use the example of uh, Veterans Affairs. Not a lot of lobbyists care much about veterans' affairs, so yeah, you're on veteran, veteran affairs. You're probably not going to get much donations. But if you toe the party line, you might be on that A or B committee, and then you're going to get a lot of lobbyists giving you money. So the divisiveness, the hate that spread is by design it's how the system works so when you are making investment decisions you need to make sure that you are not you're not allowing the media outlets the hate and divisiveness that both parties create to cloud your decision-making process and affect the way that you are analyzing the economy, companies, industries, the jobs market. Right? Because at the end of the day, who's in power, whether... What is happening in Washington is what you want or not, that matters little to what actually is. Right? So, as we heat up in this election cycle, don't allow all of the rhetoric all of the headlines to cloud your judgment. You need to keep an eye on what's actually happening in the economy, within companies, within industries, and how that impacts your portfolio, your strategy, your risk. If you can do that, and you'll have a much better chance at success. If you allow the product of institutionalized corruption to cloud your judgment, then you're gonna make mistakes. I urge everyone to go watch that. It's called The Swamp on HBO. Very, very interesting, once again, Not partisan at all, and I like those. I like something that's a lot more balanced because that's what investing really is. It's balancing the pros and cons, right? The parties are about, oh, our party's great, our party's perfect, they're the enemy, right? The other side is the worst. Well, as you probably know, the longer you live, the more you'll realize that most of the world's a little bit in the gray area. It's pros and cons to everything. And when you're looking at an investment, whether it's an asset class, whether it's an industry, whether it's a particular company, all of them have pros and cons. So in today's program, I want to hear from you. 88899 chart is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now here on invest Talk, we operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So myself, Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley, we are different from other investment advisors. We practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients, and we do our best each and every weekday to give you unbiased guidance, whether you are just a listener or you're a client as well. Because we have a duty to, we have a fiduciary duty to put our clients' interests ahead of our own, as a, all registered investment advisors do, who are not brokers. Now, with everything going on, we are still open to sitting down with you over the phone, Skype, Jive meetings, whatever it is, to get in connection with you to run a portfolio review. Make sure your portfolio and strategy is optimized and balanced for your particular needs. So we want to help you. If you want to set up a portfolio review, just head over to investtalk.com and send us a message. Now, my focus point today concerns a concerns story that 20 stocks that investors hate but Wall Street loves. We're going to touch on that. Also, what sectors, what will each... What will a Biden presidency mean for the market? What will a Trump presidency mean for the market? Second, how to create cash flows in retirement? What are the best ways to do that? And then lastly, we're going to touch on the U.S. Treasury and the borrowing needs for the balance of the year. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. August is underway, and we are watching the markets. I'm sure you are as well. And we understand the necessity of managing risk. In our client portfolios, and that means you should as well. So it requires information and effective strategies that'll help you deal with the ongoing volatility. So we should talk about it. Your participation is as important as ever. We are taking your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hey, I've enjoyed listening to your show. My name is Diane Lance. I am from Savannah, Georgia, and I was interested
0: in looking at AUY and wanted your
1: thoughts on that. Should I invest? Or should I wait for a pullback? Just interested in your information. Thanks. Bye. All right. she's looking at Yamana Gold, AUY is the symbol. About a six point four billion dollar market cap, and that's pretty. That's up pretty dramatic from late last year when this is trading. Oh, two dollars and twenty three cents is the uh, is the fifty two week low, and now we're at six dollars and seventy two cents, and this is not a gold name that we own, but you know it's, it's definitely one of the bigger, uh, one of the better ones uh, out there. Uh, we obviously like some other ones more than Yamana, but uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Now, I think the space is at the start of a pullback-slash-consolidation phase, where, you know, it's been a little overbought. Uh, you see that today with gold and silver actually up and the miners were, were down uh, a little bit. You know, nothing dramatic, but, uh, you know, GDX was down, let's see, it was down 30 cents, so three-quarters of 1%, roughly. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy, but uh, I would wait for a pullback on a lot of these miners you know, I once again I like Yamana. It's not my favorite in the industry. I think there are better values out there, better companies. Uh, but it is I would say it's in the top third. Say that. Hopefully that helps. Let's go to CJ in Seattle looking at L V G O, which is let's see, Lavongo Health. Hi there, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. So the question was actually in regards to Teladoc mm-hmm. uh, basically acquiring Livongo, uh, announcing yesterday at what seems to be a 10% kind of premium over the share price. And on that news, the TeleDoc stock actually took a pretty big dive yesterday. And I had been looking at the stock for a while, wanting to get into the telemedicine uh part of the market and Mm -hmm. it looked like a good opportunity to maybe do that and i wanted to know your thoughts on the merger and maybe teledoc as a whole well i do like that you're you're looking at that space and teledoc is buying lavongo it looks like with shares is that correct
0: i believe so yes
1: yes so that's why it was down, because they're issuing shares, they're going to dilute shareholders uh, in order to do that. Now, it's, it's an expensive stock. And from a management perspective, I think that's a smart move. Uh, I, I'm not sure, I don't know enough about Lavongo to be honest with you, but if your shares are expensive, then that's a good time to utilize that capital uh, meaning the ability to issue shares at that high valuation uh, and, and buy another another company, another competitor that maybe you like the the client base, you might like the software, the the technology, etc. So I think from a strategic standpoint, I think it's good. But once again, they're utilizing and selling very expensive shares. Teladoc, sixteen billion dollar market cap, and they don't earn any money. Uh, now they're getting better. I like the space. But there are smaller names that I like better. So uh, I would be patient on Teladoc and look for buying the dips uh, when maybe sp- there's more pessimism around the space. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And this, oh, I think we're going to go to a break. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 99 chart.
2: This is Invest Talk the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom you may be a regular listener you may even have called a few times but if you've never called what are you waiting for the phone lines are open and steve and justin would love to hear your questions right now call 888-99-CHART let's
1: go to mark in ohio wants to talk about lazy portfolios Hey, how you doing today? Good. good. Any free?
0: Yeah, my question is so I was looking at my uh, my portfolio and um, doing some uh, research on them and realized I've got a lot of overlap. Three fund, uh, two fund, three fund, sometimes four fund.
1: Lazy portfolios. I'm trying to keep it simple. Just wanted to get your opinion on those. Basically, just indexing with, like, with two or three funds. Yeah, I mean, I think I answered this uh, same question on Monday's show, but basically, you're just indexing. It's uh, it's that's kind of what everyone is doing nowadays. Uh, I've talked about this that uh, I think everyone's over-indexed. They're they're crowded into the same trade. It's very similar to the Nifty fifties of the late nineteen sixties. A lot of similarities there. Uh, the, the worry is that when that reverses, meaning, you know, you go into a more protracted bear market, which there eventually will be one, uh, those people that don't understand the risks of equities, which the risks are high, even though they may not seem so over the past 10 years, uh, they will exit all all at once. And you're going to be tied in with that trade. Now, uh, if you can handle that level of volatility, which I think going forward, there'll be an increased level of volatility because of that, uh, then, that's fine. you don't want to do a lot of work, then you'll do, you'll do okay. you'll get index returns. Uh, can you do better? Absolutely. But if you want to be lazy and just invest in index funds, then you know you're going to get the results of the indexes. So uh, it, it's not the worst strategy in the world, but it's also not the best either. So it depends on how much work you really want to put into it or once again, pun intended you want to be lazy and just index. It's really up to you. Now, my main focus point today concerns a story that highlights the 20 stocks that investors hate, but Wall Street loves. And I definitely don't want to recommend anything, but it's an interesting article. And basically what it does is it touches on 20 of the 149 stocks so far this year that are down over 20%. So of the S&P 500, 292 are still down on the year. That just goes to show you. You know, I, I've talked uh, a, a few times on the YouTube channel when I do the breakdown about the value line geometric index. And this basically looks at the average stock. What's the average stock doing in the marketplace? And we are still well, well, well below our highs uh, in the month of February and even below the highs of June even though you know, the S&P and the NASDAQ have made new highs so the majority of stocks continue to languish and you've seen that there 292 of the 500 S&P 500 stocks are still down on the year and in fact today the value line geometric index was down you know, the market was strong that's always interesting as well but what you're seeing here is that 150 are down dramatically. And what, they, what this article ranks is the top 20 based on the average buy or equivalent rating by FactSet. So analysts, sorry, the analysts polled by FactSet. So you, it's mainly in the oil and gas industry. Uh, and this goes back to what I said before is that if you have some patience, I think the oil and gas industry does have the best bargains in the marketplace if you can find companies that have strong balance sheets. Now, weak balance sheets aren't necessarily guaranteed to go bankrupt, but what's going to happen in this cycle is that the negative cash flow, the strain that it, that they're under from a, a, a profit and cash flow perspective, it means that they're going to have to make bad decisions in order to maintain their debt, right? Sell off assets that maybe they wouldn't want to before, right? Because they're only going to get good money for good assets. And so when that happens, they'll shore up their balance sheet. But long term, that tends to be capital destructive, for those type of companies. So companies with good balance sheets will be able to buy up the assets of bankrupt or weak competitors. Now there's also some financial companies in here, regional banks, still not a big fan of those. You have motor vehicles, you have what else? Insurance companies, which I kind of like, kind of like that. That's probably the, the most attractive space. There's obviously gaming uh which will, I think will struggle for some time. Uh but insurance is probably the most attractive out of them all. But once once again, those are difficult to analyze because you need to understand the balance sheet of the particular insurance company what they've invested in. If they've invested in risky securities, they made bad bets, all the AIG back in before the financial crisis that can be crippling. So you have to watch out for that. As well, So there are bargains out there. You just have to be very judicious in how you pick up those bargains in the marketplace. Now, the next and best talk, this story, a special best of show. That's what's going to be tomorrow. So you're going to hear a lot of our best calls over the past couple of years. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Now is a good time to call Invest Talk.
0: Do we have a disadvantage, as investors, on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action? They're right there in New York. And what's your question? 888 99 chart is how to reach Justin right now on Invest Talk.
1: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you? Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday,
2: and there's no doubt that the COVID 19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world but you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here and he's taking your calls live. eight 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 ninety nine chart Hi, this is Sam uh, from Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm your new listener and I, I would like to thank you for this show. Today I have a question about Texas Pacific Land Trust, PPL. I recently opened a Roth IRA account and I'm investing 500 a month, every month. And uh, uh, I think uh, to diversify, I'm planning to add uh, some real estate as uh, where I can get good dividend and get uh, reinvested throughout the period. So I just want your thought on this Texas specific land and I really appreciate your response. Thank you. All right,
1: he's looking at TPL. Like you said was texas pacific land trust they sell lease and manage land in the u.s and they retain oil and gas royalties so it's been relatively weak over the past couple of years because of oil prices but their earnings are pretty strong they've gone from three dollars and 16 cents in 2013 all the way to $41.34 in 2019. So obviously the the share prices appreciated dramatically. Their profitability is fantastic. You're talking a return on equity. Their worst return on equity is right now at 60%. And it was roughly that in 2010 as well. But in between, you're talking periods where it was over 100%. So fantastic return on invested capital solid cash flows growing cash flows in sales Uh, so i like this i like it i like the consistency i like that they they're very little debt on their balance sheet so solid uh solid balance sheet and don't have to worry about distress sales or something like that and they looks like they've been very well managed now a lot of people are gonna get sticker shock and they'll say oh well, it's trading for $573 a share. That's expensive. Uh-uh. Not the way you look at companies. It's a $4.5 billion market cap. I don't care if it's trading for, like you do 100 for one split, it'd be trading for $5.73. It'd have the exact same valuation analysis as it's trading now at $573 a share. There is no difference. So don't get stuck on that sticker shock. Uh, now, technically, it still remains relatively weak because of the uh, the languishing oil prices. But I think this is the type of name in my book that will continue to do well over the long term. And on dips, you want to be buying it. I don't care if it's trading for seven, $570 a share. It's still a solid value and a very strong performing company over the long term. So uh, I like TPL, Texas Pacific Land Trust. Yields about 1.6%. Not exciting, but it's growing that dividend. Eight eight nine nine chart 889-92-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, the top of the show, I discussed the elections coming up. And a lot of people feel that election results could pressure U.S. stocks. And if you look at an analysis by Goldman Sachs, looked at the implied volatility of options during the period around the election at night, November 3rd, and it's actually very high compared with prior cycles. So the market is pricing in a lot of uncertainty around the election. Now, many believe or worry that A Biden presidency would mean a big sell-off in the market because of higher taxes, right? But if you do a full analysis, it looks like that his spending increases would more than offset the tax increases. One, One analyst from UBS says that the spending proposals that he has laid out so far total about $7.5 trillion over 10 years, while his tax increases, total only about $4 trillion. So this goes back to another thing I said at the top of the show, pros and cons. So many people want to point to one thing, one fact, and make a decision based on that one fact that either might be a pro or a con. When in reality, from an investment perspective, you always have to look at both sides of the ledger. Spending as well as taxes. And how do they offset? Now certainly a democratic sweep of the White House and Congress would mean good for healthcare, infrastructure, climate change initiatives, green energy. Whereas a Trump re-election would mean good for energy companies, financials. Some might say the tech industry, but if you go back to 2016, you'll see that the expectations around what Trump was going to bring to the economy was very different initially than what actually came to fruition. Now, if you remember, but after the election results in 2016, the markets were down dramatically. Futures were pummeled. But by the next morning, the market was rallying, and the market started to realize that, hey, we just elected a very uh, a president and Congress that is favorable to lower tax rates and less regulation. So people were initially wrong, and even wrong on the sectors to bet on. Many thought Trump would regulate big tech. And that steel and coal would do very well. And initially, those sectors lagged and led based on those expectations. But nearly four years on, there hasn't been many much regulation on Apple or Amazon or any of these tech companies. And the old economy, coal and steel, well, their weaknesses are just as bad, if not worse, than four years ago. So he hasn't really changed the tide either way. So it just shows you that oftentimes what the narrative is around the results of an election are very different than reality. So don't just buy into, you know, when when we say, oh, going to be good for green energy or it's going to be bad for this sector that's the narrative but in order to do very well in the markets you need to decipher for yourself whether that narrative is correct is it priced in or is it off base So, it's going to be a very interesting election season, but don't get too tied up to its effect because oftentimes the advertised effect is much different or a lot less impactful than most think. Now, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. We keep download statistics, or at least our podcast hosting site does, and we have reached over. 25 million downloads in the history of invest talk and just last month we were at 850,000 downloads so steve and i thank you for that hopefully we can hit a million by the end of the year so why don't you tell your friends and family members about invest talk and our website investtalk.com there's some great resources over there like a, a book section i think that's one of the ones that's most overlooked i get you all the time do you have any great books to read well we have a whole book section Want to go over there and pick out a book? You can head over there to investtalk.com. Now, of course, you can always call our KP Financial offices in Irvine, California. We want to help you, we want to hear from you. But now, our phone lines are open. So give us a call at 888 99 Chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news Steve and Justin have recorded an all new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener Line is open, 888-99-CHART.
0: Hey, Steve, Russ here. Uh, just calling about AAXN axon they make body cameras for uh, police agencies uh, also dash cams. I uh, just want to know where uh, where you think this is going to go right now right now they're at about 8912 per share with the uh, all the unrest going on I know LA County uh, Sheriff's Department has a, uh, a lot of pressure to get the body cameras and most agencies do. Like some advice on uh, what you think of uh, axon, Thank you.
1: Well, I agree that more and more law enforcement will need body cams and dash cams, etc and this is one of the largest producers of those type of uh, type of devices, and their earnings have reflected that in two thousand and sixteen. Their earnings were languishing for the past four years up until then they're making about thirty something cents per share and now last year they made a dollar four this year supposed to make a dollar eighteen a dollar thirty eight next year so you see that demand for their products ramping up but uh, the issue here is the valuation it's very expensive uh, in relation to their overall growth here uh, you're talking about a market cap of billion, and if you look at their, sorry about that, I'm just trying to bring this up in one of my other systems. I I really wanna see their enterprise value to EBITDA, which looks to be at, yeah, 350, I'm sorry, 3,500, so very, very expensive compared to its earnings. It's just expensive. I like that its balance sheet is solid. They have zero long-term debt. Uh, the chart looks looks OK. You have know, had a decent pullback here in the month of July. Looks to be making a lower high. So I would be more patient here. I think you're going to get uh, broader sell offs and this will have broader offs with the market, especially if uh, social unrest maybe declines a little bit. I think under a Biden uh, administration, which is you know, based on the odds is is higher likelihood. I think you could see this sell off, right? Because you might see social unrest decline a little bit. Uh, At least that might be the narrative. So I would be patient. I think it's a good company to have on your watch list, Uh, but I would need this closer to $50 a share before I would pick it up. Uh, and likely more like 40 is my big number where this would be really exciting. So 40 to 50, I like it. At 91 and change right now, I don't. Let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question that came in from Minnesota. Hi, it's Carter
0: from uh, Minnesota. I've been looking at the stock Madison
1: Square Garden for about a month
0: now. Um, You know, really great area, really great location
1: in New York kind of one of the old stadiums, one of the hubs that everybody knows about. Um, you talked recently on the podcast about, you know, people in the urban setting moving out. Will this have a negative effect on uh, the price of Madison Square Garden? I know it's already beat down because of COVID, but with sports ramping back up, um, the insane, you know, just prices of real estate and New York already, do you think it would still be a good buy or do you still hold that, um, people in the urban setting are going to move out to the suburbs, and would this decrease the price of Madison Square Garden? Thank you. Well, I think the issue with Madison Square Garden sports is that a lot of a lot of live events are just not happening. Right? They not only do they own the Knicks uh, and Madison Square Garden. Uh, But I believe they own the Rangers as well. Yep. And the Hartford Wolfpack with the AHL, Westchester Knicks, which is an NBA uh, G League squad. They certainly get revenue from concerts and and other performing arts, family shows, special events, etc. And all those things are not happening. So the big question is, when will that happen? Now, are people moving out of New York? Sure, is that going to affect them to some degree? Sure, but people are just because they're selling their apartment in New York City doesn't mean someone else isn't moving in, right? So I, I don't think New York's going away. I actually think New York real estate in two, three years probably be a fantastic buy, but it's gonna take some time to kind of work through this crisis, uh, I think many years. So if you have patience, I think buying on dips because I think the Madison Square Garden has great assets, not only the Madison Square Garden, but the Knicks, which has more upside, I think. I think they've kind of hit rock bottom, Uh, new management. I don't know if they'll actually fix it, but they can't really get a whole lot worse than they are now. So. I, I like the longer-term upside of Madison Square Garden, but you're going to have to be patient, and I would be looking to buy on more dips because it looks relatively weak, and I would be patient below 100, which I think if we have another market sell-off, it could definitely get there. That's where I would look at Madison Square Garden Sports. This is the Best Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom, and we are going into our last break. So if you're going to call, you need to do it right now. At 888 99 Chart.
0: Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. What's your question? 888 99 Chart is how to reach Invest Talk right now. Your objective is to work hard,
2: plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call eight 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 ninety-nine chart.
0: Hi there. Thanks for your show. It's very informative and I've learned quite a lot. I have a question with regards to GDX. I've been buying GDX all the way up from the mid to late thirties, and I'm seeing that it's hitting some sort of resistance around now around the forty late forty ones. I have a quite a big valuation now on this stock and ETF and it's done fairly well I was wondering if you knew or could advise on how to proceed uh, with it going further in in the short to medium term if I should offload or if I should hold on to please do let me know what do you think is a good valuation for a sell thanks bye
1: well I've said before. I think we are in the early innings of a longer-term bull market in precious metals. So, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't go through periods of pullback and consolidation, like you did run in May and most of June. Right? Uh, you saw fluctuations right above the GDX fifty-two uh, week high around thirty-two which was reached in February, then you had the sell-off in the markets, and then uh, you pretty much have a, had a breakout here. Uh, so could we go through another one of those periods, week, two weeks, or, or sorry, month or two months where you have sideways consolidation? Sure. But I have the viewpoint that this is going to go much, much higher over the longer term. I think GDX goes north of 100 in the span of you know the next five to seven years. That's my viewpoint. You have that same viewpoint, then you just keep it because it's 44. So it's really up to you how you want to proceed with that. But obviously, I still like the space. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton looking at Western Digital. Hey, Justin.
2: I see the stock has dropped quite a bit in uh, the recent days. And I'm just wondering if you feel like this is a buying opportunity or something to st-
1: um, now, I, I typically like Western Digital. I did not dig into the earnings. Do you have a synopsis of why it was down 16% on that earnings news? Yes, the earnings were bad. Okay, but you don't know why? Like, Was it lower demand? Well, was, were margins Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, once again, I like Western Digital as, as a company. It's now trading at about 10 times enterprise value to EBITDA, and historically, that is, let's see, that's uh, kind of in the midpoint of where it typically trades. So I wouldn't say it's cheap or expensive down at these levels. From If you're looking at that dividend, it, dividend looks like it, there's no upside right now. They, they need to improve their, their cash flow position, their earning position. They have a decent amount of debt on their balance sheet, about $9.5 billion on an $11 billion market cap company. So, you know, to me, it's not cheap enough yet, and their cash flow situation isn't strong enough for me to get excited about it. So uh, have it on your watch list, but it needs to get much cheaper from here. Uh, I think this uh, in the 20s, this would be interesting. But at 37, it's cheap-ish, but not cheap enough for me with that level of debt. So I would hold off for now. Thanks for the call. Now, quickly before the close, I want to touch on why I have a very strong outlook on gold and silver, and that has to do with the supply of Treasuries coming on market here. And the Treasury plans to increase its auction size across all securities, mainly 7- and 10-year notes, 20- and 30-year bonds. And in the first half of the year, up until May, excuse me, Treasury borrowed a record 1.4 trillion dollars. 1.4 trillion dollars, and the estimated net borrowing for the end of the current quarter is nearly a trillion in just a quarter, 947 billion, and that's compared to 2.7 trillion from April through June. That's net borrowings. Net borrowings. Now. The, 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 our fiscal situation is clearly out of control. okay And the treasury is now estimating that for fiscal year 2020 we will have to borrow 4.5 trillion that will be triple last year's total of 1.28 trillion dollars. And that's without even taking into account the stimulus package that's coming down the pipe, which will be somewhere in the neighborhood of one, a neighborhood of one to three trillion. Out of control, people. Debasing the currency at all costs. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. Steve is off tomorrow, but we have prepared a new Best of Caller Question program. It will be heard live and then podcasted as well. Now, in the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and our free downloads over at InvestTalk.com.